It's been a brutal stretch of basketball for Syracuse, losing their last three and four of their last five, but they have one of their easiest matchups left on the schedule coming up tomorrow, and we'll break it all down for you. It's a Locked On Syracuse Friday, and it starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning. Welcome into Lockdown Syracuse Friday. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown today to get started. So Syracuse has has struggled in the last few games and they have lost three of their last four or four of their last five, actually, and it's been a rough stretch for them. And and they've been in games but lost, which which makes it even more frustrating. And that's sort of where we, we sit right now, is looking at that debate every game of this team is showing that it's getting better, and they're playing a better quality game than they were in the non-conference slate. And when they lost in games to, to a St. John's or a Bryant or a Colgate in the early going, it's a better team than they were at that point in time. But it is conflicting because although it's a better team, they're not winning down the stretch. They're not closing out games. And they're in games that maybe you could say, given records, given the opponent, they have no business being in, which is a mental victory and a moral victory. But the type of season this is going, you're not really looking for moral victories. And it's as a fan base right now that is not looking for moral wins. It's looking for physical wins going on to the record, and that is not what you've been seeing, right? They were 13-7. and seven. They were 12-6, and six, and now they're 13-10, and 10, and they're looking at the remaining eight games on the ACC schedule, and, and you're trying to figure out, you know, how the season sort of comes together. Ken Palm's got it at 4-4 four and four to close things out with wins over BC, Florida State, Georgia Tech, and Wake and then losses to NC State, Duke, Clemson, and Pittsburgh. That would be a four-game skid if Ken Palm is correct. Good news for Syracuse. A couple of those games in terms of uh, the Ken Palm prediction, the Ken Palm uh, result tracker type deal, uh, are supposed to be pretty close games, which means they could flip. Uh, but the same thing does go for you know some of the games that are marked down as wins. So I think there is the opportunity to do better than four and four to close out the year, but it is going to depend on a number of things. And, and there are a lot of things happening with Syracuse basketball at the moment. Uh, obviously, right, you think to the Benny situation from, from earlier this week and that whole ordeal, Bayheim is getting a ton of flack based on comments and sort of, you know, back-to-back bad seasons. And, you know, I believe uh, Troy Noons put out a uh, an article today um, talking about, or yesterday maybe, right, the re- reality that it's not – said in stone at this point in time that Syracuse does not repeat another losing season. They have to do some things. They have to win some games. Right now, the games are there for them to stay on the winning side of things, but you got to get the job done, right? You cannot skid in these games to 
right? Your, your gimme ACC teams in terms of BC, Florida State, and Georgia Tech left on the schedule. However, that does seem like something that if Syracuse comes out and plays like they did against Virginia Tech, is something that could happen. On the contrary, in the positive note, right, something to, to smile about, and I think there is some, some warranted happiness in this, Miami is a very good basketball team. North Carolina is a very good basketball team. Virginia is a very good basketball team. And Syracuse has run with all three of them in the last two weeks. That is something to be excited about. That is something to be pleased with. The endings, horrid, right? Syracuse has been an incredible 30 to 35-minute game player or team. And if you cut these games off, I think they're in great shape at that point in time. They do have to get to that closing ability and be able to close out games. And I think that is one of the things that the youth of this team continues to shine through, right? It was talked about after the game. Syracuse, for I believe all but four minutes against Virginia, had three freshmen on the court. That's not something you're typically seeing at a program like Syracuse, right? You've got teams, your teams that are sending guys to the NBA year after year after year after year where you're going to the one and dones, and you've got the one and dones. They're doing that. But for a program like Syracuse, they're not really doing things like that, where you have three freshmen playing the entirety of games. And and that is sort of where they are. And, and I think it's that lack of experience that sometimes costs them. And obviously, there's a number of other factors. Defensive woes have been terrible. Free throw shooting has been an issue uh, and a number of other things. But the inexperience is something that I, I think will continue to improve and refine. And obviously that's what happens when you start inexperienced and you play a lot of games, you get experienced. I'm not, you know, breaking anything in terms of news there, but it is something that needs a little more time. And I think a lot of people sort of have that outlook at this point that you, you need to take a look uh, at what next season has to play. But Syracuse has a really good opportunity uh, on Saturday in terms of getting back on track, getting back in the win column, uh, it's against a Boston College team that, for for all intents and purposes, is not very good, right? I'll do the quick Ken Palm stat summary. There's a lot of red on this page. They're not high in efficiency. They're not high in field goal percentage. They're not high in rebounding. Their free throw percentage is not great, or free throw attempts is not great. Their three-point shooting is the worst 25 in college basketball. That is a sound that should be lighting up Syracuse basketball fans because this is a terrible three-point shooting basketball team, which helps when the Orange cannot defend the perimeter at all in any game. It does not happen. So that is a huge stat to hear. There's very minimal green. Uh, their green is in block percentage. That's what happens when you've got uh, Quinton Post down there, the seven-foot, 250-pound senior uh, who is back in business right now after missing a good chunk of the season due to injury. He's played the last 10. Uh, we'll talk about him in a little bit as well. Uh, what else do they have? Not really anything in terms of notability. Turnover percentage is decent for them. This Boston College team, they're not great. Uh, they're 11 and 12 on the year. They've got some some bad-ish losses. They lost to Tarleton State. Uh, I'm not sure I have ever heard of that team prior to today, uh, which maybe that's a knock on me. Maybe I'm missing something big. They've lost to UNH. That is the 264th ranked team in college basketball. So Syracuse has a blemish in Bryant at 205. This team is 59 spots worse that Boston College has lost to. I will also say this. BC has two ranked wins on the year. They beat a ranked 
uh, Virginia Tech team back in December, and they beat a Clemson team who a lot of people will tell you is not really that good a basketball team. But I'll tell you what, they're winning basketball games. And so beating a Clemson team that at the time, I believe was what, like 18 and four, maybe something like that. Uh, Beating a team that's winning basketball games is hard to do. And they did that. And that's going to add to the the conversation of winning road ACC games is hard, right? Clemson comes into Boston College and, and loses this game pretty good, right? They lost by eight and they were down even worse, but uh, there was a stretch where they came back and and cut that deficit down a little bit. But this is a Boston College team that has beaten teams and has won games. And as Locked on BC's uh, coach said, or not coach, uh, Locked on BC's host, AJ Black, talked about this team. Uh, I was listening to his podcast from the other day. uh, And he said, this is a team that that excels on defense and, and their defense is what sort of works for them. And their offense is by no means something to write home about. And I I like the phrase, and I think it describes what I've seen of this Boston College team pretty well. They're a gritty, not pretty offense. They they do what they need to do to score, and it by no means looks beautiful in the process. They get their points. They do enough sometimes uh, in order to win games. And that's something to, I think, be pretty good for Syracuse, right? They're, they're not a team that's going to move the ball around beautifully and, and find wide open threes all too often. Maybe you find that a little bit better against a Syracuse team that has struggled defending the three, but I don't think that is as big a concern as it might be for Syracuse when they play a Virginia, when they play a Virginia Tech, when they play in North Carolina. These teams that, that move the ball well and have shooters that can come out and really do – huge damage to you. I don't think that is as big a concern. My concern in this game, and I think we'll get to it uh, a little bit more after a quick break here. My concern is what I just said in Quinton Post. Seven foot, 250. He is playing great basketball since coming back this season. He has been a fun player to watch, and he he is going to be an absolute difficult battle for Jesse Edwards down low. Post averaging almost 16 and 6 at this point in time. Uh, Really excited to see what that battle sort of presents in this game. But before we dive any deeper into that, let's hear a word from our brand new sponsor. We're excited to have them. It is FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner, for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America. That's FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. Get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You throw three grand on a bet, it loses. You get three grand in free bets. It's a win-win in many worlds. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to the point spread to who will score a touchdown. I have been horrible betting lately, so I don't know if I want to give you a bet at this point in time. But if you look, the number of bets on FanDuel to bet on the Super Bowl right now is absolutely astonishing that I am sure you can find something that if it isn't something that you love is a fun bet, right? Have a little bit of fun, enjoy it, and use some of these early on bonuses to, uh, to maybe have some free fun in doing so. This FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. Best of all, 
you get paid for your winnings instantly. That's not me, but you guys have the potential to win. And when you win, cash it out immediately. Do your thing. You have that opportunity with FanDuel. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So we were just talking about it, and I think this is sort of where we go in terms of our next segment here, and it is the big questions that have to surround Syracuse in this game because there are a handful, and I sort of talked about it briefly before we uh, we heard from FanDuel there, but I think the biggest question for me in this game is how does Jesse perform against Quinton Post? This is a guy that is a really strong player, as I was saying. He's got that size, and he's one of few players that you will encounter for Syracuse that is going to come in and have a size advantage on Jesse, right? Jesse's got that size in most games. And this is a guy in post that seven-footer, 250, can score, is relatively mobile given the size that he has, uh, and is something that I, I think could present issues for Jesse Edwards. So my big question is, how does Jesse perform in that situation? Because, you know, we we saw him start the year and we saw him put up 18 plus in six of his first 10 games. And he's done it one time since then against Miami when he put up 25, played a really, really good game. And I get the competition maybe is a little bit better. Maybe it's not, though, right? I mean, you're playing against better teams in that non-conference slate for a handful of games. Uh, but you did it against a Notre Dame. You did it uh, against a Miami team, but you're not doing it consistently enough. And I think we we sort of had these really, really, really high expectations for Jesse. And for, you know, the first month or two of the season, it felt incredibly warranted, but it's faded out a little bit. He's not playing terribly by any means, but he is not playing at maybe that same level that we thought he could based on the early slate of basketball that we watched from him. And this is a tough task a tall task, a difficult challenge for him. And and I think that's one of my biggest questions heading into this game is seeing how he performs. Can he stay out of foul trouble? Can he be a competitive defensive player against a guy that has some size on him? 20 pounds and an inch on him uh, is, is a difference maker. And I think that's something that a lot of people are going to watch closely, myself included. That's going to be question number one for this game. My question number two has to do with Benny Williams. And how does Benny Williams bounce back or not bounce back in this game, right? We all know, we heard the comments, I'm sure, from Bayheim. Uh, Benny was not in the Dome on Monday after the game, right, after some, some concerns. And it was later addressed on ESPN Syracuse that there was maybe a miscommunication between the SID and uh, Bayheim about what information was given to reporters before the game. Uh, and that's maybe where some of the, the attitude or sass came from. Plus the fact that, you know, they blew a lead to UNC that could also contribute to some anger. Um, but in that response, Beheim said that Benny took a personal day and that it was later said that, you know, he's a little bit upset with, with some of the things that have been happening in terms of his play and his performance. And uh, I think the big one that stuck out to me was that it was said he's just he's not happy with the way he's performing. And he, he doesn't feel like he's performing up to the level that he thinks he can. And I think Beheim also echoed that. You know, he doesn't think that he's performing to the level that they think that he can, too. So it's frustrating, right, to to know in theory that you've got more in the tank and you just 
can't seem to get it to work and get it to show and get it to perform, uh, how do you come back, right? From what I've heard and what I've seen so far, he's been back at practice as if he wasn't gone, uh, seems to be doing all right, contributing, playing hard, working his butt off, doing things that, you know, you expect Benny to do and things that Benny has done. Uh, and we're, you know, I'm excited to see him back because I, I do think, probably rightfully so, when everybody saw that news on Monday, it was a shoo-in that Benny was transferring and he was going to just sit the rest of the season. So I don't know if he's not transferring now. This did by no means solidifies him staying, uh, but it is nice to see him come back. And the big question to me is what does he do in the minutes he gets when he returns? Does he come in and sort of have this new, maybe, I don't know, refreshed mindset, play a little more calm and collected? And, you know, BC is a game where you present a decent opportunity to have a better game because it's a, a lower level opponent. So an easy sort of two game stretch with BC and Florida state to sort of get back into the rhythm and, and try and uh, develop some momentum for a guy that, that has been struggling. So that that's question number two for me. And, and I hope the best for him, right? I don't think anybody in the Syracuse fan base is, is angry with Benny or frustrated. Well, frustrated, maybe you could say because of, you know, him not quite getting to where, Similar to Jesse, uh, we had expectations and, and ideas that maybe Benny could get to a different level this year, and he hasn't quite gotten there. And you can understand in his mind and in many people's minds how that gets frustrating. And so I hope he, he bounces back, and well, that's my, my second question of the game in terms of this one. Third question is more of a macro question, not as much this game individually, but what this game sort of starts. Syracuse had an awful month of January. And this is uh, also addressed a little bit uh, in that Noons article, if you want to check that out, talking a little bit about the January struggles. But Syracuse was relatively in good shape heading into the new year. And they were nine and five after starting three and four. So they went on like a six and one run, uh, which is pretty good for the Orange and something that they don't always do and something that you're not typically seeing from Syracuse, they win that incredibly ugly game against Louisville, but fortunately come out on top by one. And then they have lost now five of their last eight games in the month of January. So they went, what, four? Yes, four and five in the month of January with a blown lead against Miami, with a blown lead against North Carolina with a blown lead against Virginia and with a hideous basketball game against Virginia Tech. And there are a number of things that have gone wrong, right? Slow starts continue to plague this team. Slow second half starts continue to plague this team. These are things that need to be improved upon, things that you need to adjust and figure out somehow, how can you come out of the gate with the same energy that you play with in minutes, say 15 through 20 of the first half? Because there is a huge discrepancy. I mean, you think Virginia, uh, I believe Virginia, the four starts to halves that Syracuse played against Virginia, they got outscored like 11-2, 12-0, 7-0, and 10-2 maybe. Don't quote me on that exactly, but it is very close if I'm off with that, right? They have had horrible starts. How do they switch things up? Can they build some momentum? Can they get some wins strung together and improve some seeding come ACC tournament play? Because I will say this, the ACC tournament is going to be incredibly fun this year and incredibly wide open. And it is not a result of how good the ACC is and how many good teams there are. 
but it's a result of how many middle of the pack teams and how sort of balanced out the ACC is. Obviously, Virginia seems like a front runner, seems like the best team there, but Virginia is is not a team that is incredibly, uh, I guess, immune to possible upset, right? They lost a, a game to Pittsburgh. Uh, on the road it was, but they've also had some close games recently-ish in terms of Syracuse, but not many uh, outside of that. Virginia is your front runner, but I think you've got a lot of teams outside of that Virginia comment that are really, really in the pack to be that second team and could be at that level and meet them in a championship game or upset them later on. I think it's going to be a really fun ACC tournament. And so there is a lot of emphasis on what Syracuse can do in the coming weeks in terms of maybe improving their path or getting a more favorable matchup and things like that. So can they turn the page in February, start fresh, look past what just happened in January and try and build on the positives. Malik Brown's playing outstanding basketball. Judah Mintz is playing really, really solid in the last couple of games and continues to, I think, develop and improve game after game and seems more confident, more comfortable, things like that. This is a team that's shooting the ball better. They need to improve on defense. That is something that I think will make or break them for these final eight games and whatever happens in the ACC tournament. But this defense needs to step it up. You got a fresh month. You got a fresh, easy-ish, the easiest two games outside of Georgia Tech that you will play the rest of the season and a good start and a good opportunity to sort of start things fresh going into the month of February. All right. So that is it for the game day questions today. Benny bounced back, the Jesse versus Quinton post conversation. And can Syracuse flip the switch in February? Before we talk predictions, before we talk keys, before we see the Syracuse bounce back in this game after a three-game losing streak and losing four out of their last five, let's take a quick visit from our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories, you got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bars so good, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Real chocolate. They're not messing with you here. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, like peanut butter brownie, and like coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built Bar does it. They get these bars and they taste like a candy while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they're healthy. Only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-par box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. And I'll tell you what, you can thank me later. All right, it is prediction time. It is key time. And this is one that I, I think is, is a good conversation. Right now, Ken Palm, sees Syracuse winning this game at 70 to 68. So it's in theory going to be a close one. Not entirely sure how things will turn out, right? This is a game that's on the road. And for what it's worth, this game is sold out. Uh, there are not really cheap tickets to this game. I will say, although he is no longer with the pod, I believe Bones will be there. So maybe I can, uh, I can finagle him to send us a few pictures, a few updates if he sees anything in warmups. Uh, but Bones will be there, uh, and this is a, a big-time crowd in theory. So it's it's going to be a, a tough-ish environment. Not 
terrible, but also presents a difficulty, right? We talk about it. It's hard to win ACC road games. And that's not just a throwaway statement and a throw around statement. It is a statement that is tough this season. And you see time after time this season with, with better teams going on the road and losing to the lower tier of the ACC. Uh, this is a tier where you've got two teams that are, unfortunately for Syracuse fans, in similar situations, right? Neither team really where they want to be. Uh, probably a little bit more disappointing for Syracuse. I think we had a little bit higher expectations than maybe BC had coming into the year. Uh, I think Syracuse does it in this game. I, I think they win comfortably. Uh, I would assume this is probably, I would say, an 8-12 to 12 point victory. So a fringe double-figure, double-digit victory in this game. I think they can do it. They've shown me enough in the last you know, five-game stretch, albeit losing four of them, that they are a better team, that they are improved, and they can do some things. So I will say I think Syracuse comes out uh, with a win in this game. They bump to 14-10 and 10 afterwards. And my key to them doing that is going to be, ooh, I didn't really have this one. I thought I did, and now I want to switch it up a little bit. I was going to say Jesse, uh, but I'm going to say it's the three-point defense, and, and the defense for Syracuse is going to be the key, especially around the perimeter. This is a Boston College team that does not shoot the ball well from three. They are not a three-point shooting threat. However, Syracuse's defense has allowed teams, even with minimal three-point shooting threats, to succeed and, and beat them and have issues and, and present nightmares for Syracuse. Do not let this bad Boston College three-point shooting team beat you from three. Do enough around the arc in terms of holding them and limiting them so that you don't get torched and have an incredibly ugly ACC loss, right? You haven't lost to Boston College since I believe early 2018. It's been pretty much five years since you've lost to BC. Do not make it happen again this season. That is something that I, I think is worrisome. I look at three-point percentages. Quentin Post is 38% from three, but he's not really the three-point guy by any means. But you look at their guards, Makayash and Langford, 28% from three. Jaden Zachary, who does a good chunk of their scoring, 31% from three, right? They're not guys that are, are shooting high clips from three. And they're not really, you know, high volume guys that are shooting at a high number. So I would take a look at this and, and be aware of this situation because, this is something that for Syracuse, you, you need to limit because you have to take this advantage that you have and that BC is a bad three-point shooting team and run with it. Do not let them beat you from beyond the arc because you're giving them wide open looks. I don't care the percentages, right? Teams that shoot under 30% are bad three-point shooters. These are still Division I ACC college basketball players. And when you give Division I college basketball players wide open threes, they shoot at a higher clip than when you can test them. Groundbreaking stuff here to close out the pod. I think Syracuse gets this done. I think they can do it if they just do what they need to do on the perimeter, play some decent defense, and play the same offensive basketball that they have been playing recently. I'm going to say barring maybe the free throw shooting struggles that have started to, to pop up uh, in recent weeks. So I think Syracuse gets the job done. Uh, but you can comment. Let me know. Thank you for uh, for listening. If you disagree, shoot us a comment. Reply on Twitter. Do what you need to do. Uh, thanks for giving us a listen. We're working some things out right now. 
We believe maybe we might have some uh, some surprise co-hosts popping in and out, uh, giving some thoughts and ideas over the next few weeks. And then from there, we should bring uh, maybe in theory the second host back on. So we're going to test the waters for a little bit and then see where we go from there. So we thank you. This is the first official post-Bones era episode of Locked on Syracuse. Uh, if you're done listening with us and you still want a little bit more in terms of your college basketball fix, check out our brand new podcast. It's Locked On College Basketball. I was on the show yesterday. Give it a listen from Isaac and Andy. They bring you everything that you need to know on and off the court. Hear from the big name experts, the coaches and players throughout the college basketball landscape. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen today. I'm Owen Valentine. I'll catch you on Monday, hopefully following a Syracuse win over the Boston College.